Well, it's good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, this is my rudimentary artwork up here, and uh, I'll be re- blessing this slide. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. I just wanted something up here to distract you. But uh, I'll point to this occasionally. But it's summertime. I know it's not officially. I don't know how June 20th got to be the first day of summer. I figure when you walk outside in Louisiana and you're just drenched in sweat at 6 a.m., at that point it's officially summer. But summer's here. Summer is here and we start cooking in the backyard and we go and actually try find some water other than sweat uh, to get ourselves in and we have trips and vacations uh, and things that are going on. But it's also a time where we take lawn chairs and we go out and we sit and we watch baseball games or we go to baseball games. I think it was in the 1840s or 1850s we kind of converted cricket into baseball and then in the 1860s uh, had your first kind of professional, I think 1869, Cincinnati Reds were the first official full, everybody on the team is a professional player, and they came up with that really intimidating nickname, the Cincinnati Red Stockings. Um, but it started, and at some point, that kind of became associated with summer. And baseball is one of those traditional sports. And your baseball purists will just talk about how great it is with all its tradition and nothing changes and all the nuances in the game and stuff. And I just figure it's time, it gives me time to go to the concession stand and get a corn dog while those nuances are going on. But one of the kind of innovative things that has happened uh, in the last 15, 20 years in baseball is the walk-up songs. You've started having that. I mean, if you look back a little bit, there were a few people in the 1970s and stuff that occasionally, in certain occasions, would have a walk-up song. But it was somewhere in the mid-90s when it started, you know, some of the guys that did the organs and stuff just randomly started doing that. And then they started playing some music. In the last, if you've been to high school or a college or a professional game, you've seen the walk-up songs uh, come. And, and how about our dogs? You know, great weekend tournament. Should be, unless there is a bias paid off committee getting a bid to the NCAA tournament. So that's exciting to hear about, but walk-up songs. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Okay. About walk-up songs has very little to do with the message, but you can have fun with it anyway. Okay. I'm putting a number on the board, 614-9142, 614-9142. And I want you to think about if Chris, before he came up to preach, what would his walk-up song be? And if you have thoughts about that, text that to that number. He's not here today, and uh, we'll put some of these out, and, you know, when he comes sometime in the next two or three Sundays, he may get a walk-up song (laughs) one Sunday, but so just if you've got a thought about that, just text that, you know, stay away from any, like, Bluebell theme songs or anything like that. We don't hurt his feelings, but let me ask you, if you had a walk-up song, like when you got up in the morning, and this was my song, because a lot of times batters say the reasons they have those, it either calms them down or gets them focused, is why you have all the different array of songs. Some are kind of calm, some are kind of, you know, really pumped up. But if you had one, you woke up in the morning, what would your walk-up song be? And then maybe they play it again. Your second at bat is when you're showing up to work or school in your circle of friends. What would your walk-up song be? And I want you to think about that. And then I want to encourage you, go to Facebook, go to Twitter, and just put hashtag walk-up song. Only people know this are First Baptist Rustin people. But put your walk-up song on there on Facebook. Let us know what it is. I know, I know, you'll be seeing some people and they'll be putting, you're thinking about a fun song and something's put, somebody's putting something all spiritual and stuff on there. So you'll feel guilty. i got to put a spiritual, you know, on there. So I give you permission 
okay? You can put a spiritual one and a fun one or just a fun one, okay? But, but put on there, let's see, First Baptist Russell, what some of your start my day off walk-up songs would be. And for what I want to share with you this morning, I want to tell you what I don't want your walk-up song to be. I'm going to start dancing here in a second. That's enough. You're familiar, uh, maybe you're familiar with that, the song by the, you know, great uh, music-changing band Loverboy that had one or two hits maybe in their time. But it talks about everybody working for the weekend. And let me tell you something. For what God has called us to do, that can't be a part of our attitude. Okay, and for what I want to share with you today, because I want to share with you uh, kind of basis, and then we're going to hop all over the place, and I can do that because I didn't get a degree in theology. I got it in Christian education. So in John chapter 10, verse 10, when Jesus is talking, he says, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and it says in full, but sometimes it says life and have life abundantly. God has come that you may have life and you may have life abundantly. And that is not for some distant time out there in the future. That's for today. God wants you to have abundant life today. In this worship service, God wants you to experience abundant life. A couple of pretty good songs that we got to hear this morning to get to celebrate and praise. Maybe you got to hang around with some friends before this time in connection groups. But God wants you to have life and life abundantly. When you leave here and you go home, he wants you to have an abundant afternoon and an abundant evening. But one of the dangers, one of the traps that we can get caught up in is we're always looking ahead and we miss what God has for us today. I can remember having those jobs. My dad would get me jobs in the summer, and I worked at a furniture factory. One time it was spreading fabric. Another time it was stacking lumber. And everybody there was living for break, and then their afternoon break, and lunchtime, and 5 o'clock, and then the weekend. And I couldn't really relate or understand. And then my dad got me a job one year at the clay pits. And I was in a, under a tin building in a metal box car with 50-pound bags of hot clay coming off a, a conveyor belt every five seconds, stacking them on pallets. And I started living for break time and lunch time and 5 o'clock and the weekend. It was horrendous. But, you know, one time when I got to looking back at that time, I remember hearing some, I remember thinking back about, you know, just being around and sitting and listening to some of those guys talk in those situations. And I heard a lot of people talking about brokenness. And I heard a lot of people talking about, you know, marriages and relationships that had gone sideways and things, addiction. And then there were some other good people, but I was so focused on just coming in, doing my thing, you know, putting my time in, getting my paycheck and getting out of here and going and seeing my friends. I didn't take the time to slow down and get to know the people that were right there. Because right in the midst of that hot job at the clay pits, God's plan for me was to have life and have it abundantly. His plan for me was to have a life because that means having a life of influence and impact. Because if we look at what is taught in the New Testament, our, sometimes our thought of having life and having life abundantly is having a life where I'm going to live a long time, I'm not going to get sick, and I'm going to have a lot of stuff so I can do the things that I enjoy. That is not the picture that we get in the New Testament. What we get in the New Testament of people that have abundant life because they have lives of influence and impact. Stephen, 
eats a lot of stones. Influence and impact. John the Baptist's head chopped off. Influence and impact. John in prison for a lot of years. Influence and impact. Paul beaten, stoned, sitting in prison. Influence and impact. Lives of varying degrees of age. Different circumstances. We hear very little about wealth and accumulation. But we see a lot of folks who had lives of influence and impact. And that's what God's desire for every person in this room with. You're not guaranteed if you're 15 to make it to 20. You're not guaranteed if you're 25 to make it to 40. If you're 50 to make it to 70. How many people have we seen prepare for retirement? And then never get to enjoy retirement. What we're guaranteed is what we have at this very moment. And there's nothing wrong with planning for the future. There's nothing wrong thinking ahead. But God's got us here today. Today. Let us rejoice in today that God has given us. And he wants us to live abundantly today. And there's two concepts for us to live the abundant life. I think I got three on your outline, but I'm not getting to that third one. You know, people have said, when you get up talking, you get to talking too fast and stuff. So I'm just going to slow down. And where we get is where we're going to get, okay? And if you have questions about that, then you can ask me uh, about it later. But there's two concepts that I want us to get. The first one, and these are churchy uh, terms, these are religious terms, but they're very important terms for you to understand if we're going to have an abundant life. And, and, and the three that I'm, well, the two I'm going to cover and the third one I'm going to reference, okay, are justification, sanctification, and glorification. Okay, justification means that you have been freed from the penalty, the eternal penalty of sin. Sanctification means that you have been freed from the power of sin. And glorification means that you have been freed from the presence of sin. Because what Satan wants to use to steal, kill, and destroy is he wants to use sin. And we don't like to talk about sin a lot. But that's his weapon to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's very subtle with how he uses it. In our day and time, we want to, a lot of times you talk to people about sins and it's something I can handle, it's something I can deal with, it's something to do with my environment, it's something to do with my setting. Instead of understanding, no, at our core, we are sinners. That's part of our nature. We inherited that sin nature. I did not say original sin. We inherited that sin nature from Adam. And there will come a point in time when just like Adam we will engage in a sin and be separated from God because of that. And therefore, we need to be justified. We need to be set apart. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about today for us to have life and life abundantly is we got to get this justification part down. You've got to make sure you've got this down. And if you think you've got this down, then Use this time to be praying for a friend or a family member or somebody that may not have this down. This is important. This is one of our most important missions. As believers, part of our life abundantly is sharing with other people our story, how Christ changed our lives. And, and all of us ought to have a one. You remember a few years ago, we went through a one campaign. And basically, we asked you to think of one person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ or you're not sure about or not where they need to be. And you start Start praying for that one person every day. Pray for the Holy Spirit to convict them of their sinfulness and their need for righteousness. And pray for you to be ready and you build a relationship and you care for them and you pour yourself in them and you trust God's going to open up an opportunity for you to share your life-changing story with them. Because 
one of the most important things for us to have an abundant life is to embrace where God has called us and placed us to take his message to other people. So justification is important. So if I was to ask you, every one of you in here a question, and you were to get out a sheet of paper and write your answer, and I was to ask you, if God said to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your answer be? Think about that a second. If I was to ask you, or let's say God's asking you, because it's not my heaven, if God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your answer be? There is only one acceptable answer. There's nothing wrong with going to church if that was part of your answer. Church is great. God uh, initiated uh, the local church, and he wants it to be mission points for us to encourage and take his message out to others. There's nothing wrong with baptism. Baptism is how we publicly identify with Jesus Christ. It is a time of celebration and testimony. There's nothing wrong with good works and doing good actions. That's what God has set us apart to do, to be different than the world by how we live and act and talk. But the one answer that is acceptable is that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And the question that I have for you, has that come that time in your life when you have nailed down the fact that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? You will never get to experience abundant life apart from Jesus Christ. You can have a good life. You can have an enjoyable life. You can have a fun life. But you will not have a life of influence and impact for Jesus Christ that you can have apart from him. There's three words that help us understand justification a little bit. Okay, one of those words is the word redeemed. Okay, the word redeemed, and the word redeemed means uh, it has three different kind of concepts meaning-wise, but one is to buy or pay a price for something. Okay, because you were separated from God with, from your sins. God is holy, pure, and perfect. He can have nothing to do with what is symbol, sinful. You need to be purchased back from that sinful life. And 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. God paid a price, and that was his death on the cross, to purchase you. It also means that to purchase out of the market. So someone else owns you or possessed you, and that would be Satan. And Galatians 3.13 said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or on a tree. And then finally, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, and there the word redeem means to be set free. And it says, knowing that you were ransomed or that you were set free uh, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Or maybe I got a totally different verse here. But anyway, but that's the verse we're referring to. So you were purchased, you were set free, uh, because of what Jesus Christ did for you. That's what it means to be redeemed. And not only are you redeemed, you are also reconciled. In other words, because of your sin, you and God were enemies. You were separated. There was a separation between you and God. And 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21 uh, says basically, in Christ, God was reconciling the world, the lost to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And there's a couple of other verses there. But God did everything necessary to reconcile us. And then the third word that we need to understand is the word propitiation. And that just basically means God's wrath against you, against all sin, and you are part of that, was turned aside. And a great verse for that is Romans 3, 
23 through 25, where he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by the blood to receive by faith. So God did what it was necessary to purchase you. God did what it was necessary to bring you together with him. And God did what was necessary on the cross to satisfy the wrath that was going to be against you. And the question that you have to ask yourself, has there come that point in time when you have received what Christ has done for you? Have you received that gift of salvation to never be separated from the love of God? Can you honestly say when I ask you that question, do you know that there's come that point in time when you nailed that down? For me, it was 22 in college. At 12, I did something. I'm not sure, but I didn't have certainty. I didn't have confidence. And if I'd have gone through life, I'd have never had confidence. But at 22, I just got down on my knees in my dorm room and I said, God, I don't know. But I know I want to know. And God, I'm a sinner and I know I need a Savior. And I know you've done everything necessary for my salvation. And God, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And at that point, I nailed it down. And there's been times when Satan has tried to make me doubt and question. But I just say, shut up. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. I called on the name of the Lord. I'm saved. Shut up, Satan. Leave me alone. I'm trusting in God and God's word. And I encourage you, if you have never done that, forget everything else in the next few minutes of the sermon. And right now, right where you are, get with God. Look up in your Bible, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Just where you are, look that up, make that your prayer to God. Acknowledge your sinfulness and need for a Savior. And you and read Romans 10, 9, and 10. Pray that to God and then claim Romans 10, 13. And you just take care of that, you and God right now. Maybe take your bulletin out, write a prayer to God, but nail that down. Don't leave here when you have been clearly shown shared, warned that you need a relationship with Christ. And if there's doubts, if there's questions, nail that down. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And that's, if we're going to have an abundant life, we've got to have that nailed down. Now, for the believer, okay, for Christians, this is why justification is extremely important. For us, God wants us to understand that when we are justified, when God's wrath is satisfied, that we're in a position where we will never face eternal condemnation. We will never be separated. We are secure. We are safe. We are protected in Christ. Nothing is going to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38 and 39 talks about that verse, that nothing's going to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, 1, it says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, there's another verse, Romans 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one is going to snatch them out of my hands. God wants you as believers to stop questioning, to stop doubting, to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And here's why that's important. I don't know if any of you parents have ever had a child or a grandchild take dance. Anybody had somebody take dance? Okay. And when they're really young and they take dance, like they're five, six years old, and they're up there and they got their cute little concept on and they're dancing, and they're dancing like this. And you're like, what did I just pay $400 for? They're staring over here and doing some kind of Jed Clampett dance. I don't know what's going on. 
here. But you don't care. You're happy. You know, they're with their friends. They're having a good experience. And they got their little outfits on, and you're good with that. But the thing is, and that's, that's okay. They're young. They're learning. They're developing confidence. But after 10 years of dance, if they're still doing this, at that point, maybe you need to step back and question a little bit. But there comes that point when you got to go to practice, you got to get ready, you got to get prepared, you got to put the doubt behind you, and you got to go out and perform. And that's what God wants us to understand about justification. Because if we're always doubting, does he love me? Does he not love me? Do I have a relationship with him? Would I not have a relationship with him? We'll be so focused on that that we're not able to go out and do what it is that God has called us to do. We're not able to go out and live that abundant life that he has called us to live. There comes that point where I'm not looking at my coach over here anymore. I'm looking straight ahead. I'm looking at the crowd. I'm going to perform. I'm going to do my best. If I mess up, I'll correct it. If I mess up really bad, you know what? I'll practice harder and I'll come out and I'll do it again. And that's what God as believers calls us to do is to embrace the fact that we have assurance in him. There is no condemnation. Now go live the life that God's called you to live. Go out and make a difference. Not sometime out in the different future, distant future, but today make a difference and make an impact for Jesus Christ. Now here's the second concept that's important for us to get. Not only do we need to understand justification, and if anybody here has never received Christ, I hope you're taking care of that. If you have, I hope you understand that because of that, nothing's ever going to separate you from the love of God. But here's the second important concept that God wants us to learn, and that is the word sanctification. Sanctification. Because when you receive Christ, when you are justified and you were forever you're free from the eternal penalty of sin at that point you are also free from the power <clears throat> from the power of sin at this point sin has no control over you anymore you are free from the power of sin there is a great verse that I'm going to skip over to uh, in 1 Corinthians 10:13 and in that verse it says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is no temptation, there is nothing you face that you don't have the ability to overcome. There is no addiction, there is no... Uh, pull and draw from your past. There are no mistakes. There is nothing in Christ that you cannot overcome. Will it be easy? We maybe have to have some people to hold you accountable and people to walk with you, but there is nothing in Christ that you cannot overcome because the word sanctified means set apart. You are now Christ. Okay, there's a couple of verses I didn't read that says, talk about in 1 Peter, be holy for I am holy. Basically, it means you are set apart. I'm set apart as God from all of mankind, and now in me, you are set apart, and I got a purpose for your life. And that purpose for my life is I want to use you to help carry out the Great Commission. I want to use you to develop fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and go flood your world with those qualities. I want you to love your neighbors. I want you to find your place in the body of Christ. I want you to develop your spiritual gifts and go out and serve. I've got a set-apart purpose for your life. And the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy wants to keep some things in your life that will keep you from having that life and life abundantly. But realize there is nothing 
nothing that he has set on you for, that you've dealt with from your past. There's nothing that he tempts you with in the present that you cannot overcome. He will always provide a way of escape. He will put more on you than you can bear, but he will never put more temptation on you than you can bear. He will always provide a way of escape. And I thought about this last week because a lot of times our battle, when it comes to being set apart, instead of battling with this one, the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we'll battle with the one that calls us to come and live and live life abundantly. Let me give you an example. Last week, the preacher preached about everybody's favorite topic, about tithing and giving. And there's really only two appropriate responses to that message. One is, you're doing it, praise God, I want to continue to do that, maybe I can give more. Or two, I'm not, God, I'm sorry, I understand that's a part of worshiping you just as much as prayer and Bible study. I wonder if you want me to be free of that, and God, I've commit from this point forward to work towards being able to tithe uh, on a consistent basis. That's the only appropriate response to that. But a lot of times what we'll do is we'll start battling with God over that about why we don't have to, will I do this, will I look at it from a different perspective. And the next thing, we're arguing with the one that wants us to have life abundantly instead of arguing with the one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It can be the same thing with forgiveness. God says real clear on forgiveness. Forgive 70 times 7, forgive your enemies. If they say go a mile, go two miles. And God says, look, I want to protect you, I want to provide for you, I want you to have life and have it abundantly. To do, you've got to forgive but we'll always sometimes, we'll have that one, but you don't know this one person. You don't know what they did to my kids. You don't know what they did with my parents. There was somebody I was in business with, I was friends with, they betrayed me, they, they, they fell through on some obligations to me. Not forgiven. And you start arguing with God why you don't have to. And God's simply saying, look, I want you to have abundant life. And to have abundant life, you've got to see sin as I see sin. And you've got to handle sin the way I say. Quit listening to one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Whether it's your witness, your, your example, how he can use you, how he can trust you. Stop arguing with God and start arguing with the one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It can be things like, you know, behavioral things like sex. Okay? There's one acceptable standard for sex. Man and a woman in marriage with each other. That's it. There's nothing else. Teenagers call it sorry if you're not married. 25, 35, 45-year-old single, sorry. That's it. But we'll start arguing with God about why these exceptions and cut corners. You're agreeing with the one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy instead of the one that wants you to have life and have life abundantly. God has called you to be set apart, to be different than the world because he has a set apart purpose for your life. That doesn't mean you set yourself apart from people. How can you influence people, okay, if you're set apart from them? We're friends with the world. We're, we're called to go into darkness and impact, but your life, your thinking, your attitudes, your choices, your character has got to be different, set apart from the world. God's called you to be sanctified and to have a life and an abundant life. We have to understand and embrace God's called me to be set apart. And you have the power over sin. There is no temptation, no sin that you struggle with, you deal with, that you don't have the power to defeat it and have that abundant life. And then the last thing I'll just reference real briefly is glorification. And it means you'll be free from the presence of sin. There's a couple of verses if you want to look them up later. 1 John 3, 
1 and 2. They're also on your little scroll thing on your Bible app. And 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. Uh, if, if, tell you what, real quick, go to 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, because that's a really good verse. But a lot of times we get mad at God because we want to be, be free from the presence of sin right now. And we get mad because people die and people get sick and, and all those types of things. That's common. That's heaven. In this life, there will be trouble, we're told. But in this life, we, had a, we have a set-apart purpose to live for Jesus Christ. And it says in 42 through 44, this is the good news, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. We're going to get a body one day, and, and that's free of sickness, free of disease, that's not going to die. We get to be with God forever. We don't have to deal with sin. We don't have to t- deal with temptation. But that day's coming. And, we, and, and what we need to be doing now is preparing for that day. And we don't know whether that day is going to become tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. Ten, we're not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed to get to make it to 30 or get to make it to 60 or 90. We're not guaranteed that. And so it's important that today we live life abundantly. It's important that when you exit, don't hit for the doors quickly. Take a minute. Speak to those around you. Talk this afternoon. Value the day. Write somebody. Call somebody. Be open to what God wants to teach you and show you. Embrace Monday. Don't live for the weekend. Embrace Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and say, God, what have you got for me today? Who can I serve today? Who can I minister? Who can I touch? Who can I listen to? God, what's your purpose for me today? God wants you to have life and have it abundantly. Understand, understand, you're his forever. Nothing's going to separate you from him. Have confidence. You're set apart for a purpose. God created you. He designed you. Psalms talks about that. You're knit together specially. He has equipped you. He has placed you right where you are for a set apart purpose. Embrace it. And one day you're going to be with him. So make sure when you're with him, you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because every day you sought to live life and live it abundantly. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you and we do praise you. And Father, my prayer is that there is, is some people here today that have never, never just nailed down the fact that they have a relationship with you, that you're their father, they're their, you're, you're their child that their sins are taken care of in you, that they've never done that, that today they have done that and will come forward and will celebrate that either at the invitation time or afterwards or they'll want to talk further about that. But Father, I pray that they will receive that gift and be justified and forever be in relationship with you. And Father, my prayer for us as Christians that we will understand that you have a purpose for us today, that you have lives that you want us to impact today, that there are friends and family members, there are co-workers, that, Father, we need to live a different, set-apart life, not a life that looks like the rest of the world, but a different life, a life marked by love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, gentleness. Father, help us to live that type of life, a life where we get the opportunity to share how you've changed our lives with others. Father, help us to be prayed up and committed to letting anything go we need to let go, to pick up anything we need to pick up, to go wherever you call us to do, and to be willing to every day to live a life that points others to you. 
In your holy name we pray. Amen. If God has led you to respond in any way where you are, come forward. Feel free to kneel at the altar. But I encourage you, don't respond to me. Don't respond to the music. Respond to God, whatever he's calling you to do.